0: I don't know. Hey, Alexa, what's the definition of fable? A fable is an abbreviated fictional story that aims to teach a moral lesson. Typically, animals or inanimate objects are portrayed as protagonists in the story, and anthropomorphism, or giving the characters human traits, is employed to convey the desired moral. Fables can be written in prose or verse and may feature other mythical creatures or natural forces as main characters okay okay that could work ladies and gentlemen welcome to rock and roll fables with kenny bodkin Okay, I got a story for you. Now, in uh, 1969 at Woodstock, on uh, day two, uh, Carlos Santana and his band were, were set to play, right? And they were set to play like later in the evening. They were going to be like an 8 o'clock showtime. They show up at like 11 in the morning, and um, Carlos Santana at the time was 22 years old. They hadn't out their first album yet they were from East Los Angeles they had had some success in clubs and they were pretty well rehearsed as you can tell from the performance but they had never played for a crowd this big Woodstock they um, estimate the crowd there was uh, over 400,000 people that's a ton of people so um, In the morning, they they get there, and what happens is that uh, Carlos is looking out in the crowd, and as any 22-year-old would do with that level of experience, he kind of freaks out. He's like going, oh my God, there's this many people, you know, how how am I going to get in front of this many people? And he had all day to stress about this, right? So he meets up with his uh, um, buddy from California, Jerry Garcia from The Grateful Dead, and he's expressing to Jerry how nervous he is about this this gig, about playing, you know. And Jerry um, does something very Jerry Garcia-like. He says, "Here, take one of these. You'll feel better. It'll it'll calm you down." Sure. And he takes it. And uh, it's it, it could have been peyote, mescaline, LSD, whatever it was. It uh, it was a hallucinogenic, and Carlos, in a very short order of time, was tripping balls. He was out of his mind on on uh, hallucinogenics. So um, they come to him and say, "Hey, we've had to reschedule everybody because some people aren't here yet because of the you know the traffic getting into Woodstock was uh, a notorious mess at that point." Um, you guys are going on at 2. And at this time, Carlos was deep into his He was peeking as he was walking onto, onto the Woodstock stage. So he got out there and immediately his guitar and his mind became a snake that he had to wrestle through the whole performance and keep it in tune and and fight this guitar to keep it... Keep the neck straight so he could play. it. Now, um, normally that would that would uh, that would cause uh, a band to sound very bad, honestly. But Carlos Santana pulled it off, and the rest of the band pulled it off. And, and if uh, if you were to take a list of the you know top three performances at, at Woodstock, certainly Sly Stone, Jimi Hendrix would be at the top. But um, third place, you'd be hard-pressed to beat Carlos Santana and uh, the Santana Band. It was uh, really a, an amazing performance. Uh, they played in the, the film. Um, what they showed was uh, uh, Soul Sacrifice with uh, an incredible drum solo by Michael Shreve and Greg Rowley on keyboards. But the, um, it was only a 45-minute set. But what really stands out in that set in the film is uh, Carlos never opens his eyes and is obviously someplace else, and he is uh, uh, managing uh, amazing guitar work throughout this, and uh, and that's the story of Carlos Santana at Woodstock. Isn't that something? Okay, okay. Okay, I got a story for you. Joe Walsh, the guitarist for the Eagles. Um, He was asked to join in 1975, and he's always been pretty open about his... ...struggles with uh, drugs and alcohol. So much so, and it wasn't just him, the, the, the rest of the band contributed as well. In fact, um, when they were recording Hotel California, the studio was being shared by Black Sabbath. Um, so, uh, Geezer Butler said in an interview that when they arrived at the studio after Don and Glenn uh, had been uh, recording there, that they had to scrape the cocaine out of the mixing board before Sabbath could start recording. Drugs are bad. You shouldn't do drugs. Uh, If you do them, you're bad. Because drugs are bad, okay? It's a bad thing to do drugs, so so don't be bad. By doing drugs, okay, that'd be bad. Drugs are bad. So Joe was asked to join the Eagles in 1975, and they have uh, uh, the manager of, um, of the Eagles is Irving Azoff. Um, Now, on one of uh, Joe's birthdays, Irving gifts him a high-end chainsaw, a really nice chainsaw, and he did ask him to keep it at home. Joe Walsh didn't take that advice and decided to take it on tour with him. So one night, they checked into a Holiday Inn, and Irving, Azoff, and Joe... We're supposed to have connecting rooms. They didn't, there was a mess up and they didn't have connecting rooms. So um, Irving's putting his stuff away and he hears next door a chainsaw start up and uh, dust start falling from the ceiling as Joe Walsh cut his own door through the hotel room wall. And he walked through it and said, hey, now we have connecting rooms. Joe also used to hang out with John Belushi from, uh, you know, John Belushi from uh, Blues Brothers and uh, Saturday Night Live and, of course, Animal House. And um, he, Joe admits that hanging out with, uh, with John Belushi could be terrifying. While they were in Chicago, uh, the two were turned away from a very fancy restaurant at the Astra Towers Hotel for wearing blue jeans. Um, so they went into the alleyway, got some black spray paint, and painted their jeans black. Went into the hotel, which had very fine linen white chairs. And, um, and they, as they got up from the meal, the chairs were covered in black paint. And their jeans were starting to look like jeans again. And that was just the beginning of their night. After they left that restaurant, they went back to the hotel Joe was staying at. Uh, it was a very fancy Chicago hotel, the Gold Coast Hotel. And the two went about the business of destroying the hotel room. Um, so after all the dust had settled, the, um, the price tag for, their, their, for just the hotel room was $28,000 in damages. Joe Walsh has been in recovery since 1993 for his drug and alcohol problems. Um, His big epiphany, he got on an airplane to Paris, and he woke up. um, When he arrived, he had his passport, but nothing else. He didn't remember getting on the plane. He didn't remember why he was going. He said that was the turning point for him, And, uh, and he's been sober ever since. 2006 Joe married uh, Marjorie Bach uh, whose sister is Barbara Bach Barbara is married to Ringo Starr so Joe Walsh is the brother-in-law to a Beatle isn't that something I got a story for you. Marvin Gaye, the incredible soul singer, um, put out his 15th album in 78 79 called Here My Dear. And this is the story of that album. Now in 1963, Marvin Gaye married Anna Gordy Gaye. And Anna Uh, was Barry Gordy's sister. Barry Gordy, of course, was the the leader of Motown Records. He was the uh, record producer. All those amazing Motown albums were Barry Gordy creations, if you will. Now, I don't know too much about their relationship, but I do know this. I do know that in 1977, they went through a divorce. It was a very bitter divorce. They had uh, one child. uh, They uh, were a very acrimonious, if you will, breakup. So what happens next is it sounds like something out of a uh, an 80s sitcom plot, okay? Instead of him paying her alimony, it was decided in a court that he would record an album with the proceeds going towards Anna. So it was decided that uh, Marvin would give up half of any profits he would make off of this album uh, would go to Anna Gay. So, went into the studio, and he started what he thought would be like just a real quick one-off album. Uh, Didn't have to be good, just had to be done. And he, um, the title of the album is called here my dear and um album artwork is uh um marvin and a toga in front of uh, a courthouse like he's uh, um you know the scales of justice kind of thing uh on the back cover is a monopoly board with uh um his hand and his ex-wife's hand this is all artist like renderings um over the Monopoly board, uh... Um... And she's taking everything. Um... That's... That was what was going through his mind During the recording of this... Of this album. Uh... It has some... It's not a... Um, a bad album to listen to at all. In fact, it's, it's enjoyable. It is a... A... What I would say is a great Marvin Gaye album. But... If you... Um... Go through the lyrics. It is... Um it's all like mid-tempo soul music and uh, uh, he does one song <laughs> um, that is uh, space related um, and it's uh, it's called funky space reincarnation okay and uh, he had apparently seen Star Wars and wanted to put that vibe down on um, on vinyl so it's got great lyrics like Let's razzmatazz and all that jazz. Let's feel each other's ass. That's right. He said that. And that was um, the single. That was the single. (laughs) They put that out uh, as a single. The the track list is, uh, um, you know, I met a little girl. Uh, When did you stop loving me? When did I stop loving you? Anger. You know, there's a lot of very, you know, A lot of bitterness came out in this Um, You you can leave But it's going to cost you Uh, One of the lyrics in that um, Is uh, I don't understand Somebody tell me please Tell me please Why do I have to pay attorney fees My baby's attorney's fees Oh baby, this is a joke I need a smoke That's right, those are Marvin Gaye lyrics I didn't make them up It sold very poorly. It did not do well. It uh, um, and mind you, this was when Marvin Gaye was super hot um, sales-wise. In 1979, the album comes out, and uh, the pop album chart it uh, hit 26, and on uh, the black album chart it hit four. Which uh, um, you know you would think at the time anything Marvin touched would be a number one, you know, easily. The the single "Funky Space Reincarnation" uh, only hit 23. Um, you know, these are are not horrible numbers, but for the guy who did "What's Going On" and I heard it through the grapevine and um, all those amazing um, uh, seminal works of, of soul music, it should have uh, it should have done a lot better, but it did not. In the years since its release, it has been reevaluated and today it's seen as a landmark of Marvin Gaye's career. It is a, it is not a, you know, a lot of it's not an easy album to listen to. It's like being in the room when two people are fighting when you really shouldn't be there. Kind of like that. But it is, um, it's a, it's a fine album and the music is, is amazing. And if you know the story behind it, uh, it just makes it a little bit, you know, more fun to listen to even though it shouldn't be fun to listen to, it's fun to listen to. Isn't that something? You've been listening to Rock and Roll Fables with Kenny Bodkin. We can be contacted at kenny.d.bodkin at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and support your local musicians.